the Morongo Casino Studios, it's the Heidi and Frank Show on 95.5, KLOS, and KLOS HD1. Good morning. A little before 9 o'clock here on the Heidi and Frank Show, you're hearing my voice instead of Frank's because Frank is on his summer vacation. And boy, when he vacations, he does it right. He goes real far away. He's in Sicily. Doing all things Italian uh, with his lovely bride. And if you want to see what he's up to, you can check out his Instagram at Frank Army. And just before the break, I solicited for Caller 60 to potentially win a family four-pack to our second annual KLOS Summer Invasion of Disneyland California Adventure Park. We are taking over the park 9 p.m. on August 24th. Winners, that may be you will have it all to themselves with us from 9 till midnight. That means no long lines, no blazing heat, parkings included, private VIP experience. It's going to be amazing. We have another shot for you to win a family four-pack in the 9 o'clock hour. Then Marcy takes over, and she's got uh, her shots for you as well. And then Kevin and Sluggo, we were looking for caller, caller 60. Oh, my God, the phone lines are going crazy. Hi, what's your name? Hello? Good morning. What's your name? James. James, guess what? Oh my God. Did I win? Please. James, you won. You're going to go to our KLOS Summer Invasion at Disneyland California Adventure Park. You're going to be hanging out with us August 24th. Who are you bringing? Uh, I'm going to bring my wife, my son, and uh, I'm going to have to figure out somebody else. All right. Well, figure it out. Uh, people will be kissing up to you because it is really the hottest ticket yeah. in town. Uh, James, oh, yeah. Jordan's going to put you on hold. Corey will get all of your information. Uh, just be patient yeah. there, and we'll get all your info so that you can be at Disneyland California Adventure Park with us on August 24th. Now, let me tell you, mm. the building is buzzing. It is. It is. My heart's racing a little bit. There is a legend in the building that yeah. is sort of... I mean, I don't know. I don't know that it gets much bigger than this person who has uh, agreed to come on our show and give mm-hmm. us a few minutes of, I will say, of his time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe he's ready to go. Yep. And uh, right. let's get him in here. The legendary Mr. Smokey Robinson. Oh, my God. Wow. I mean, Johnny, he may be the most famous person we've had in here. How's it going, Smokey? How are you? Oh, my goodness. That's right, everybody. It's very exciting. Smokey Robinson is in the building. Not only at KLOS, but on the Heidi and Frank show. And, uh... Hello, Mr. Smokey Robinson. Hello. <laughs> I was going to call you Smokey Joe. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> Retro me. No, listen. I listened to your book. Bring Gra- me back. Gra- I listened to your book, Grateful and Blessed, because, you know, when when somebody has a, a nickname, you always wonder, I wonder how he got that. And you do talk about it in your book, Grateful and Blessed, that you love. As a, as a young boy, you loved Westerns. Absolutely. And that was it your uncle who gave you the name Smokey? It was my uncle Claude. Yes, it was. Smokey Joe. Smokey Joe. And that was just his cute nickname for you because you loved Westerns. My dad also loved Westerns, so I grew up watching Westerns. So I have to ask Smokey Robinson, best Western of all time? For you. One that you could watch over and over and over again. It brings you joy. You're like, you know what? They're not made much much better than that. I, I, I don't know that it brings me so much joy, but I think it was a, just a great film was How the West Was Won. Uh, yes. But that was later on in life. I mean, I was, yeah. I was you know, I was... Older. Least, yeah, older. But uh, when I was a kid, you know, any Roy Rogers movie, any Gene Autry movie, because they sang. That's right. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I So did them. you ever think about being a singing cowboy? 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying Smokey Robinson yes, I, Country yes, album. Yes, I did. What's I, wrong with Smokey Robinson Country? <laughs> Dolly Parton is doing rock albums now. Smokey Robinson can do a, yeah. a country album. Uh, we would love that. Anything you do, I think, just you. everything you touch turns to gold. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that thought. I wish I thought felt like that. Well, you, of course, don't feel like that because you're a humble guy. I mean, a guy like Smokey Robinson, uh, that's the, one of the things I love about you is that you're just a humble guy who really loves what he does. Well, you know, I can't find anything that I love like this. Yeah. This is, this that, is, is that, uh, does that translate to you're not good at anything else? Well, no, no. <laughs> you don't have a B plan. Okay. <laughs> I meant that respectfully, of course. I took it in that night. <laughs> Was there a B plan for you, Smokey Robinson? Like, if you weren't successful at this, obviously been extremely successful, what were the what were the plans? Well, I, you know, when I graduated from high school, I, I was uh, I, I was taking electrical engineering, and uh, I uh, I had started to go to junior college when I met Barry Gordy. You know, and mm-hmm. thank uh, goodness and, for Barry Gordy. Yeah, thank <laughs> absolutely. Wow. Yes, but uh, yeah, so electrical engineering was my was my backup plan. resort. Yes, you know, backup plan. Yeah, exactly. You but, didn't need it. Well, Turns I'm, out you I'm didn't. Very, I'm it. very happy about that. Yeah. Also, you know, speaking of jobs, when I was listening to your book, Grateful and Blessed, and you can find it on uh, Audible. It's really cool because I love books that uh, you know. Smokey tells the story. He'll tell the story about the song and how he came up with the song, and then mm-hmm. and then he sings the song. It's so great. Oh. It's so great. And as somebody who's not musical at all, the only musical is I love music. Can't play it, can't sing, can't dance, nothing. But I you love You play it, it well. I, but, I, 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 I love it. <laughs> but the thing that's so cool about Smokey Robinson when he tells the story, like the songs that you love, sometimes it takes 20 minutes to write a song, and sometimes it takes five years to write a hit song. Exactly. And one of the songs, I believe, Tracks of, Tracks of My Tears, came to you while you were shaving your face. Yes, it did. You had this, like, you had what, the melody? You had that figured out? Well, no, no. See, uh, Tracks My Tears was another song uh, that I attribute to my guitarist. Uh, he's passed on now. His name is Marv Tarplin. And he is... Uh, he's the guitarist you stole from Diana Ross. He's the guitarist I stole from Diana Ross. You know the history. I do. No, I see, do. I, no, no, I, I do. I, no, see, I commend you. I do. Yeah, you know, yeah, you uh, talk to a lot of people and they're, and they're groping for stuff. You know the history. No, no. So, Diana Ross, see, here's what Smokey Robinson does tonight. Ross, hey, I'm going out on the road. Do you mind if I, like, I don't, I just need him for like a little bit. And she's like, oh yeah, that's cool. You can take him. Poor guy never went back to Diana Ross. She lost her guitar player. I used to wonder, did he regret that? I don't think so. Don't I don't think so, Smokey Robinson. I think you're fine. Yeah, golly. But, uh, so you know, uh, up the, until Marvin, had... Marvin passed away uh, about four or five years ago now, and up until he passed away, every time I would see Diana, the first thing she would say to me, rather than, hey, baby, how are you doing? Hey, Smoke, where's my guitar player, man? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, he was supposed to just do a couple gigs with you. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I would like to have him back. I love that uh, Yeah, story. but he became my best writing partner, and, and he had given me that. Uh, he put his guitar riffs on, on, on tape until I could come up with a song for them. Yeah. And I had come up with the first three lines for the tracks of my tears. Take a good look at my face, smile, because I play close as easy to trace that you're gone and I'm still here. And but now what? I went through a thousand of those yeah. easier to trace, you know. And like you said, or like you know from your yeah, history reading. Because right. that's fascinating. I, I, I was shaking one morning and yeah. then I was looking in the mirror and I was saying, what if a person had cried so much till their tears left tracks in their face? Yeah, like rivets. That, like, yeah, like a, yeah. Oh, yeah, just like, so many. Just, yeah, and I said, that's it. That, that, that's, that's God, the song right there. It, it, it allowed me to finish the song. Because you think like, and, and you know like, I just got it. 
I got it right. Yeah. That feeling of just nailed yeah. it, and then the frustration. Fi- finally, you must, yeah, the frustration <laughs> you must feel like. Because I, I made a little note that like the song that it took you five years to write, cruising, cruising took five years, and he finally. He's like driving a convertible. Were you out here in L.A.? I was in L.A. In L.A. In December. Yeah, had it. But in December, it's perfect top down. With top down. You know. (laughs) And it's like cruising, and then it just comes to you after five years of going. I can't do anything with this song. What's amazing to me is, at some point, do you not just go? I don't have anything for it. I'm gonna give up. So you just never give up on a song. Well, not because Marvin's guitar riffs, man. If you could just hear some of the stuff that he played, just him. You know, and his guitar riffs were so uh, dynamic to me. Right. You know, and I could always write to what he played. And so, uh, uh, like I said, um, uh, you know, cruising took five years because I came up with the first three lines once again to mm-hmm. the chorus and couldn't think of the, 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 the ending or the culmination to what was going to happen. Until that convertible there. ride. Until that mm-hmm. convertible ride. And then there You was. know how many women were picturing themselves sitting next to you in that car? No. Tell me, please. <laughs> Smokey. The list is long. The list is long. Those eyes, you've gotten out of so much trouble with those eyes and those oh, dimples. Please. I know. I have blue eyes and I have dimples. Dimples are, I mean, they get you out of so yeah. much trouble. Because you just smile and you're like, well, I guess I can't be mad at you. Well, you just see me looking at you like this, don't you? Yeah. You can do anything you want. Also, I want to go back to speaking of jobs because you didn't really have a, a B plan. You're going to be an electrical engineer, but... Uh, when you started Motown with Barry Gordy, I mean, right, you were vice president of yeah. Motown. And so then from you went from singing and making music to then the back office stuff. Yes. And you were miserable. I, 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 you know, at first I wasn't because uh, the Miracles and I had done everything that a group could do two or three times. You know, we've been all over the world and we've been traveling. Hit, since hit I, records like yeah, for the Temptations. And, yeah, yeah. We've been traveling since I was 16. You know, and 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 um, fine to stay home for a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I had had it. Yeah. You know, I had had it, and then my my two my two oldest kids were born, and they were babies at the time. You want to be home, and I want to be home with them. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I retired thinking that since I was vice president of Motown, that would fulfill me. That's you know, I just crazy. go there and just do office stuff and yeah. meetings and all those things like that and for the first couple of years that was great I loved it because I could go home every night I went yeah. home every night mm-hmm. and some kids it was wonderful you know and then I found myself becoming miserable because it's a calling yeah. I think somebody yeah. who does what you do it's you can't even really call it a job because that is just who you are that's just in you to make music and to perform and to not be on stage I would think as somebody who's so good at it that well, would be, you'd be miserable sitting behind a desk going, oh, uh, yeah, let me uh, make a phone call. Let me, uh. I mean, I guess finding new talent's cool. Uh, well, that was my job in Detroit. You know, when I, when my office was in Detroit, that, that was what I did. I, I inducted new talent and signed new talent to the label and, and what have you, you know. So that's like And powerful. then I move out to mm-hmm. Los Angeles and Barry says, okay, man, you're my best friend, so I'll make you the financial office. So I'm signing checks and collecting checks and doing all that stuff like that. And, um, so, yeah, I became miserable after about of two and course. a half, three years. I was climbing the walls. Right. That's why I always see when you, when you hear like, uh, and I'd love to know what you think about this. When you hear a band who's been around a long time, like, you know, when it was like, oh, the Eagles, uh, yeah. they're retiring. Oh, this band's retiring. I say, like, and then they come back. They come yeah. back and they do oh, another tour. Yeah. Wasn't I at the retirement concert? <laughs> yeah. Didn't Elton John retire? I was pretty sure I was at that retirement show and he's on tour again. I think because you think you're going to. But I then tell you sit Elton home that and all go. The time. You know, Elton retired again. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 tell, I tell him that all the time. 
how many times are you going to retire, man? You know? Hard to do. Well, Smokey, this is the real time. This yeah. time. No, no. Yeah, you can't. We'll see. And you know, because when you get on stage and you look out in that sea of people who are all going crazy to see you mm. and you're like, oh, how, how can I deprive them of that? Yes, exactly. How can I deprive them? Can I talk to you about, um, I'm curious about, you know, because you knew Prince as a little boy, you knew Michael Jackson as a little boy. And what I've always wondered when you see these phenoms like Prince, like Michael Jackson, do you believe in reincarnation? Because sometimes I look and go, how is this kid five years old and he's moving like that or he's playing like that? How? Yeah, do I, you I, believe that that's something just way bigger than? I, we... I, I kind of do, honey. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm torn on that subject. I'm not really sure about it, but I kind of do. Is it just that, Jesus? That, is it? Is it? Uh, no, I, I, what I is just, it? I just think spirits are recycled. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah, because mm-hmm. so, when that is yeah. just like, how could Michael Jackson be that good that young? Yeah. How could Prince? Be or, or, or Stevie Wonder be that good that young? I, That's what I, I meant, just Stevie saw Wonder. a kid the other day, three years old, playing Chopin on the piano, and I mean playing it. I don't mean you mean fiddling around. Wow. I mean this feeling kid feeling it too. Yes, feeling it. Three years old playing yeah. Chopin wow. on the piano. See, so, I feel yeah, like yeah, that. You know what I mean? Spiritual recycling. Yeah, absolutely. I like how you put that because sure. that's what I think too. And I think like like you said, Stevie Wonder, you can't teach that. You can't teach. Nah. Stevie, how, how do I do that? Yeah, how do yeah. I become that? No. It's just... I mean, I get my kids a cell phone and they can't even unlock it with four digits. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, not everybody's yeah. a spiritual. Hey, Johnny, I'm not like, everybody is spiritually. One, two, three, four. Come on. It's not that hard. Johnny, you know? not everybody is spiritually recycled. Yeah. Um, I wish I had a little of that because I didn't I didn't get that. that so you're right. When you see a nine-year-old just playing guitar, sitting down, playing piano, yeah. I just think that's something mm-hmm. deeper. Yeah. And we can even really totally understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and Tears of a Clown, I think, is another song that um, you had you were struggling with to th- think, how can I make this work? And then you thought of Pagliacci, yeah. the Italian clown, yes. which is really, really is sad because you're saying, listen, this guy's out. He's performing. And we've all felt that way. You know, doing a live radio show, we've had parents die. We've had dogs die. We've had uh, divorces yeah. and breakups. I didn't mean to point at you with divorce, yeah, Johnny. I apologize did. for that. Nah, it's all right. uh, we've had, you know, any of us. We've had, right? <laughs> We've had bad things happen in our lives, and that alarm goes off, and you go, well, I got to go to work. I got to go do a four-hour live talk show, Mm -hmm. and I want to just cry. I want to stay in bed. I want to put the pillow over my head, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to go do it, and... But then you got to come here like, hey, good morning. Welcome to 95.5 KLOS. (laughs) Yeah, my dad died yesterday. I mean, you don't... you Tears of a Clown. So that song, I think, and not only us, but so many people can relate to that, because you got something going on in your life. And just much like Pagliacci, the the clown, where it's like well, well, well Tears of a Clown uh, was inspired by Stevie Wonder because that track that's on that record is was recorded by Stevie, you know, right? Yeah, right, he, right. you know, and he gave me the track and it was intact just like it is now, and he just couldn't think of a song to go with it. So that means and, he wrote the music. Yes, exactly. And then you have to sit down and write the lyrics. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, it was very, it was, it was, it was. See, he gave me the inspiration by the intro uh, as to what to write about because it feels a like a matter. circus. Yeah, bump, 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 dun 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 dun, is Ringling Brothers. That's, That's Barnum right. and Bailey all right. day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. So you go, so, okay. Yeah. It feels up. It yeah. feels happy. No, I didn't think that. I thought it felt like the circus. Wow. Feels like the circus. That's that's Barnum and Bailey. And so I heard that, and I said, well, gosh, I I I I, I want to write something about the circus, but I don't want to write about you know trapeze artists. Or, <laughs> Lion Tamer. That would have been a different I, song, Smokey Robinson. Yes, it would have been. <laughs> I want to write about something that's that's a people thing. Yeah. And I thought about when I was a kid in school and I heard the story of Pagliacci. 
And Pagliacci was the Italian clown that everybody loved. And right. they, you know, they cheered him and they, they came to see him rather than all the other attractions at the circus. And he was the main attraction and everybody just adored him. And then he went back to a dressing room and he cried because he didn't have that kind of love from a woman. Oh! You know? mm-hmm. So, Woo! Tears right. of a Clown is wow. a personalized version of We've all Pagliacci's been life. We've wow. been there. Yeah. Right. I'm smiling. You think I'm happy, but... Mm. With those dimples. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, Smokey, you know. You know. And also, and I think, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a uh, a giving, selfless person. Most times. But I think uh, if I wrote a really amazing song, like you've wrote so many amazing songs, and the thing about Smokey Robinson is you think, oh, yeah, he writes songs to sing. No, not always. He writes songs and goes, this song's amazing. I'm going to give it to the Temptations. This song's amazing. I'm going to give it to Kim Carnes. This song, that's pretty selfless. Yeah. Well, that you, you know just what, go, I'm going to give it to you. I'm not even going to take the song that's amazing that could be a hit. When you hear one of my songs, with the exception you mentioned Kim Carnes, when you hear one of my songs by another artist uh, uh, originally, I have written that song specifically for that artist. You know? Oh. Like you mentioned the Tim. I don't stockpile songs. So my girl and, and, was not. You weren't even planning my on doing girl, that. My girl, if it weren't for people, ask me many times, because my girl has become, as a songwriter, my international anthem. Yeah, we travel all over the world. My group, my group, my band, people on, and we sing my girl in the show. Okay, and we're in countries where the basic language is not even English. And they know, you know, and sixty percent of the people in the audience don't even speak English. And as soon as we, they hear. Boom, 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 boom. They know what's going to happen. They, and they sing the song. They know it verbatim and all that. So it's become that. But people say, well, why didn't you keep my girl for yourself and for the miracles? Because were it not for the temptations and David Ruffin, I never would have written my girl. My girl came because prior to, to doing my girl on the temptations, I had been using Eddie Kendricks. As Eddie Kendrick had the high voice, you yeah, know? you love and, all the like the and, tenors and, and, and yeah, and and I've been using him to sing the basic lead for the Temptations on the way you do the things you do and songs like that, you mm-hmm. know. And so, at Motown, I think it was one of the reasons we were so successful, is the fact that you never had a lock on an artist. We had so many wonderful writers and producers and people like that there that you never had a lock. I could have had the number one record on The Temptations and didn't mean I was going to get their next record automatically right. if someone else came it with a better... It was up for grabs. With a be- yeah. Whoever's Absolutely. writing the better song. Which, Whoever's writing yeah. the better song. Right. The, so um, everybody jumped on The Temptations bandwagon and they were using Eddie Kendricks to sing all their lead vocals. I know David Ruffin's in this group. I know Paul Williams is in this group and they've got great voices. So... Uh, David, I used to always tell him, hey man, you scared the girls into loving you because you got that voice. Come here, baby. That thing like that, you know. <laughs> That's what Johnny tries to do, too. And so, it's just not. So, so anyway, not great. I wanted him to sing something sweet. I wanted him to sing. With that voice. Yeah, with that Because it would voice. be like that, di- with that, that dichotomy voice. kind of okay, thing. Okay, that's why I wrote My Girl. That's so cool, yeah. Smokey. So yeah. that's why I wrote it. So he could sing something sweet to the girls. And the story I love about yeah. that, and forgive me if I'm getting it wrong, I think I'm getting it right. So you do this. You write this song, and then you have a deal going where whoever gets the number one hit, right, uh, for them, for the Temptations, will win, like a prize or something. And all of a sudden, you're in the office, and what is it, Barry Gordy, who, who hands you a check? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, what's this check for? I don't have a number one record. I, yeah, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's I, this the, money for? Yeah, the Miracles and I had been on the road. And uh, and uh, we came back after a couple of weeks, and, and Barry had a policy at that time, whereas the producer of a number one record got a thousand dollar bonus. 
check. Pretty cool. You know? So yeah. I, I come back home and, you know, and, uh, Hitsville was not just our workplace. It was our hangout. You know, That's where you made it. You, the Hitsville, yeah, uh, where when, is that? When you were in Detroit. Detroit, yeah. Yeah, when you were in Detroit, as an artist who sang for Motown, when you were in Detroit, you were at Hitsville. Mm-hmm. If you were working or not, why were you there? It was just a hang. What, it's a that's fun That's where hang. everybody was. Yeah. Soon as you got back home to Detroit, man, you mm-hmm. went to Hitsville because everybody was there. Is that where and a you, young Aretha Franklin is? Like, is uh, that well, not mean? Aretha Franklin because her dad wouldn't let her sign with Motown. Really? No. Mm-hmm. Her dad wanted to see Aretha. Was Aretha's one of my she's one of my know. closest friends? Yeah. Uh, you know, every day. You, you know, knew her since she was a little girl, right? Yeah, since Eight she was years, five years old. Five, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but uh, her dad, when Aretha first started singing professionally, other than gospel, yeah, you know, he wanted her to be with a label that was established. At Motown, we were still fledgling. Isn't we had that just crazy gotten started. To think about. We had just gotten started. This so, Motown's yeah, never gonna yeah, mount anything. Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> so he wanted her to be. So he signed her with Columbia. Yeah. Columbia. Yeah. And uh, she was singing all the American songways, the, the standards, and because Aretha could sing the phone book and it would be a hit. Right. You know what I mean? So she was singing like that. In her heart, she wanted to be Aretha. She wanted to sing what she wanted to sing. She wanted to sing right. songs like Respect and those songs mm. like that. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't let her sign with us because we were fledgling. You didn't even so, take those blue eyes and those yeah. dimples over and try to say, hey, listen. The Reverend Franklin wasn't thinking about blue eyes and dimples. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's actually going against you with him. The last thing he was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, he but, said, uh, I'm not, she's not signing yeah, with you with those yeah, blue eyes absolutely. and dimples. <laughs> but, she, but uh, you know, he signed her with Columbia, so she, oh. she never sang for Motown, uh, which we, you know, we tried to get her because, like I said, I grew up with her. I knew her since right. she was five. But when you get back you know? from Hitsville and you get back from Detroit and you're off the road and you're, you're done, you're settling in, Barry Gordy goes, hey, I got some money for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I go to his office because I just wanted to say, "Hey, man, what's happening?" You know, yeah. and so he he said, "Oh yeah, man. By the way, here's your here's your check. I said, check for what? You know, because you got number one record coming." I said, "Number one record coming." He said, "Yeah." He said, "You know," I, and I knew the miracles, and I hadn't recorded anything. So I said, "What what are you talking about, man?" He said, "My girl." He said, "It's been out for two weeks, but it's going to number one." My God, it's something like that. He said, "Another two weeks, it'll be number one." So here's your check. I wasn't thinking wow. about my girl. I I love the fact that it came out like it did. Oh yeah. I love the fact that it came and this guy named Paul Reiser, who was one of our top arrangers at Motown, when I gave him the track with it, it was just the temptations on there because I'd put them on the track already and the rhythm section. And I said, Paul, here you know, do this. And what he did with the strings and the horns mm. and all those things like that. That's what sets it phenomenal. Oh my God. Phenomenal. So even okay. when you hear it for so, the first yeah, time, so, you're so, like, whoa. So, so, but whoa. I did not expect my girl to be what it has become. You know? And I didn't expect that. I knew it was a good song and I knew that mm. they had done a great job and I thought it was a good record and all that. But I never expected what it has become. You know? Generations. So, uh, Generations. Oh, I mean yeah. everybody. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. I mean yeah. comes on my three year old singing. Yeah. You know, you know so what I mean? Everybody man? knows. We do it. concerts and like I said, man, everybody you know, I, I I you, you don't even you know, have to I do concerts. Yeah. I do concerts. And when we do concerts now, there are people in the audience who have their kids with them and their kids are lap kids, mm-hmm. two and three years old. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw those people, they were in their parents' laps. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know I mean? Smokey. Yeah. That was me. Yeah, yeah that was me. Yeah. Okay. My father, yeah. my father yeah. listening you know, to it. You know yeah. I mean? yep. And yep. now yeah, your man. kids exactly. listening and, and to I, it. I love that. 
Of course. Yeah, yeah. So that it, it carries on. Yeah. It will just and, and like I said, and you know, the kids three and four years old, the guys are singing "My Girl." Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. so it's, it's, and you're still doing it. You're still out there. You're still making new music. You've got, of course, your uh, new single "How You Make Me Feel" off your new album "Gasms." Now, every Friday at nine thirty here on the Heidi and Frank Show, we do uh, new music Friday. So whatever is uh, out, and I think you're that something off of "Gasms" came out. Maybe a month or so ago, and we played oh, it. Everybody the, went crazy. Yeah, when the album it. came out, I think I played two songs off it. Yeah, but we yeah, did. Title track, Gasms. I mean, I mean, pick it up. It's now Gasms mm. is available on all streaming platforms, and Smokey's also on in, uh, Instagram at Smokey Robinson. You are just beyond a delight. Mm-hmm. Well, so are you, and you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. And, I appreciate uh, it. And I think you know, I know you're so busy, and you got so many people to talk to, but I think. I wanted to just really quickly cover how cool it is that you had your idols, you know, some of them, Jackie Wilson, Sam Cooke, Ray Charles, uh, Clyde McFadden, that you actually became friends with your idols. And yes. I think so many of us don't necessarily get to do that. Or maybe you, you meet your idol and you go, they weren't that nice. They weren't that friendly. Yes. And that, it sort of ruined the whole thing for me. So for you to grow up and have those guys as idols, somebody to look up to, and then you meet them and you become friends with them. Yes. And you still get to idolize them. Yes. Right? Yes. And do you ever go, I can't believe I'm actually friends. I was friends with Sam Cooke or I was friends with... Many times. Yeah. Like because, pinch yourself. Yeah, going, yeah because Sam, especially, man, uh, Sam was a, with a group, a uh, gospel group called the Soul Stirrers. And they used to come to Aretha Franklin's father's church and sing. And and when they came to sing, man, it was like, you know, on Easter Sunday, oh. uh, 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 black people go to church on Easter Sunday who don't go to church at all. all right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, Us Catholics uh, do yeah, that, too. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Christmas Eve and Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. <laughs> exactly. So Easter Sunday, the it's church is deal. packed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whenever yes. Sam and the Soulsters came to Reverend Franklin's church, you would have thought it was Easter Sunday because mm. it was packed out, especially with women. Women oh. around the block, you know. In their and, Sunday yeah, best. In their Sunday, the absolutely. Hat, the shoes, yes. And so Sam, I got a chance to meet him before he became Sam Cook, the secular artist, you know. Yeah. I, I didn't know you him You knew well, him from the church. But I knew him from the church, okay. But after he became a secular artist and stuff like that, we, I started to work on shows with him. I got to know him personally, and we had a great friendship. And like you said, for me to, to grow up and, and, and meet and become friends with the guys that I idolize, Crazy. Jackie and Ray and all those. I used yeah. to call Ray Uncle Ray because Uncle Ray. he. When I met Ray, I, I met it. You were in the miracles then, in right? Miracles, and it, it's a beautiful story. I don't. We don't have time. No, to tell I you. mean you can tell a quick version, or I can lead you there because oh, when okay. you were a little boy the, the, and you the, sat at the piano with Ray Charles. No, no, no. I was I was a teenager. Oh, you were teenagers, like yeah, sixteen. Yeah. Because the first really professional show that the Miracles and I ever did was on the Ray Charles show at the Apollo Theater in New York. Yeah. Okay, and we get there, and we didn't have formal arrangements because we didn't know that we had to have them. And Ray Charles's orchestra was playing for the entire show that week, and the guy who ran the Apollo was giving us hell. He was cussing us out. Right. He was doing everything. You weren't prepared. And, and, no, we weren't prepared. And right. Ray came in, and Ray said, "What's happening here?" And he said, "These kids come to Detroit. They don't have no arrangements." Don't have none and Ray said, "That's okay." He said, "Anybody know how to play your song?" I say, yes, Mr. Charles. So I go and I sit down and we had a song called Bad Girl. And I started to play it on the piano and I started to sing it sitting next to Ray Charles. And after I played it almost all the way through, he said, okay, kid, I got it. And he started playing. I'd never heard it played like that. He started playing like he wrote it. He started playing like he knew it before he got there. And he sat there that morning, honey, and he did 
two arrangements for the two songs we were singing on the show off the top of his head. He just and had his band to write down what he was saying and stuff like that. That's how my introduction to Ray Charles was after idolizing him for all those years as a singer. You know, and 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 so that was beautiful. So I started to call him Uncle Ray because Ray Charles' real name and he came from the same area of the world that my dad came from and my dad had run away from home when he was 12 years old and he was one of nine siblings and he ran away from home when he was 12 years old and never got a chance to talk or speak or see anyone in his family from that day forward, okay, because there were no phones and all that stuff. It was a different My dad time, was born yeah. in 1896 in Selma, Alabama, okay? Yeah. So he runs away from home and he, um, and his name, you know, he's, he's William Robinson, okay? Yeah. Ray Charles's real name, he's from that same area, is Ray Charles Robinson. That's his real name, hmm. okay? And the reason Whoa. he couldn't use Ray Charles, I mean, huh. he couldn't use Ray Robinson is because the middleweight champion of the world at that time mm-hmm. was Sugar Ray Robinson. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't use that to record with. So he had to use his middle name, which is Charles. It all so seemed to work that, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how, and I used to call him Uncle Ray. Say, Ray, you're my uncle. He laughed, you know, oh man, you know. And I, what I love yeah. too is uh, you sort of you sort of uh, blew it the first time at the Apollo, and then you and knowing oh, yeah. Smokey Robinson and how he is and his yeah. mentality and his mind's like, yeah. oh no, I'm getting back to the Apollo, oh, yeah. and I am going to kill it. And you went back and you killed it that second time. I still play the Apollo. Yeah, and the well, Apollo, you're still the, killing it too. The, no, 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 no. I go back to the Apollo because the Apollo, as far as I'm concerned, is the granddaddy mm-hmm. of all the theater circuits. That we used to play, they were part of the chip. If circuit. you can make it there, yeah, you can make you, it. Yeah. Absolutely, right. And it was our first experience. We go back to the Apollo, and the Apollo. When we first walked in, when I first walked into the Apollo, first time in my life, there's a mural in the in the lobby, and it had everybody you can think of: Count Basie, Duke Ellington, uh, Patty Page, and 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 I mean not Patty Page because it's all black artists: Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughan and Jackie Wilson. And all these people up on this mural, and I told the mural because I said, God. I would love to be on that mural one of these days, you know. But first time with Paula, we flopped. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to get on the mural that that night. But but we finally got on the mural. You manifested it. Yeah. So the Apollo is the granddaddy of black entertainment. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald got her start at the Apollo on the the talent show, Mm -hmm. you know. So... I, 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 that is I, the Apollo, by the way. Is mm-hmm. it, it is where somebody will bring the hook out and go, "You're done. Hey, you're done. You're done. Absolutely." A guy come out dancing, bring and the you're hook like, out no, there. No, no, yeah, no, exactly. No, no. <laughs> like, like the old vaudeville days, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just, absolutely. just please let me get the hook. So I think I, I, I encourage all the young black artists to go and play the Apollo because it's the stepping stone. Right. So I, I will play it as long as it stands. Love it. You heard it here. Smokey Robinson. Again, I could sit here with you all day and talk to you about uh, so many things, but I don't want to be selfish because I know a lot of people want to talk to you. So we're going to let that happen. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to say my friend Natalie is friends with your wife. Francis. Oh, fantastic. Yes, part of her glam squad. You know? Oh, yeah. And so, okay. uh, yeah. So we sort of have that in common. She's, I know she's a lovely lady. All right. Your, your bride. And All uh, right. thank you again. Smokey Robinson's new single, How You Make Me Feel, off his new album, Gasms, is out now. Check out Smokey Robinson on Instagram as well because he posts there and then it's also all of his shows that he's got coming mm-hmm. up. Uh, he's been on tour and so see if he's going to be coming to a place near you and go see Smokey Robinson. Actually, Smokey's team was kind enough to give us a pair of tickets to go see Smokey. Music and Memories in concert July 19th at wow. the Pacific Amphitheater oh, nice. at the Orange County Fair. Wow. So you can get All your right. tickets at Excellent. ocfair.com, ticketmaster.com, or right now, 
What What do you want to do, Smokey? What number? What's your favorite number? Ooh, favorite number. Let's Let's pick some phone calls and mm. see what, who we're going to send to your show. Uh, number I, do you I like? Don't, I don't. You mean phone number? Yep. Or just, uh, a, just a, 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 a number in general, number. out of the air. Oh, just my favorite number. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. seven. Seven. There we go. Lucky there we go. Caller seven. Caller seven at 818-955-2955. <laughs> You're going to go see Smokey Robinson. Uh, again, you can follow Smokey on Instagram at Smokey Robinson. But I call him Smokey Joe. Uh, thank you so you. much. I love, I love you, too. You, you, you're so just... pleasant. Oh, oh, right back at you. You should give lessons. <laughs> I'm, I'm, really I'm so happy to have met yeah. you because I'm such a fan, and, and it's nice that I can walk away from this going, he's everything you want him to be. Yeah. He's everything you want him to be. Thank you, Smokey Robinson. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be right back, right here on 95.5 KLOS. We are Heidi and Frank. Nothing about me is restricted.